Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. We are joined by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, who announced over the weekend that he is running for a third term. Senator Johnson, good afternoon. Well, Jeff, hope you're doing well. I am well as also. Well, so you're in. Here's what I'd like to do during this interview. Um, since we announced you were coming on, I have literally been swamped with texts from people wanting me to address certain issues. And I know you feel that you have not gotten fair treatment in the coverage of certain issues. So I'd like to talk about a couple of those things first before we move into other aspects of the reelection campaign, if that's okay with you. Sure. All right. Let, let's start with with vaccinations. What one of the things that I hear from a lot of people is that, oh, you know, Ron Johnson is this anti-vaxxer. He's anti-science. How could anybody support that? Senator, where are you on the question of, of vaccinations? I'm clearly not anti-vax. I've had every vaccine until the COVID vaccine. I didn't get it because I, I had COVID. So I have natural immunity. I was a big support of Operation Warp Speed. I was the champion of Right to Try, which gives people the freedom, working with their doctor, to access a drug that's not fully FDA approved. Those are vaccines. So I'm I'm happy to have uh, uh, people decide for themselves without coercion, no pressure, no mandates, to take the vaccine. And it seems like, uh, although I haven't seen the data backing this up, it seems like the vaccines do uh, help prevent severity of symptoms potentially death, but unfortunately, unfortunately, the vaccines are not as effective or as safe as we all hoped and prayed they would be. And that's also the fact. And so just the fact that I've allowed people a forum to talk about their vaccine injuries, I get viciously attacked. I'm just trying to provide people truthful information so they can make an informed choice whether or not they want to get vaccine for themselves. Now, I will say I'm utterly opposed to vaccinating children who have a very, an almost uh, infinitesimal risk of being harmed by COVID. Now, some children immune compromised, you know, again, it might be appropriate, but for the vast majority of children, I think because Jeff, nobody, nobody can tell you what the long-term safety profile are of these vaccines. This is a completely new platform. This isn't a standard vaccine. And we, we, we did not take the time for the observational trials. So all I've been trying to do is provide people the full information they need for fully informed consent. And our health agencies have not been transparent. I've been attacked for it. There's an agenda here. I mean, it's the agenda of big pharma. You'll notice that the FDA, the CDC, they, they have not recommended any drug that is cheap, widely available, available or generic. Everything that they've recommended is a novel drug costing you know, thousands of dollars, for example, uh, with remdesivir, uh, monoclonal antibodies, uh, now Paxlovid and Molnupiravir rushed through an emergency use authorization while they trashed very safe, widely available drugs like ivermectin, uh, hydroxychloroquine, but there's also budesidine. There's, there's a cornucopia of drugs that have been available for early treatment. That should have been promoted, robustly researched, offered, for months. Here we are almost two years in this pandemic and we still don't have early treatment being recommended by or researched by our healthcare agencies. As a result, you know, we're spending tens of billions of dollars in tests. And then if you test positive, the CDC tells you do nothing. 
Yeah. Go home afraid alone. I, th- I think this is insane. That every other disease, it's early detection, allows for early treatment, provides better results. We're just telling people no early treatment. Wait till you get so sick you go in the hospital, and then and we're really not doing a whole heck of a lot for even there in hospital. Remdesivir is an antiviral. By the time you get that in the hospital, the virus, the virus is done replicating. Now it's getting into the secondary and tertiary stages of the disease. So, again, I'm sorry. Our health care agencies have not been transparent. I don't think they've been honest. I've been, I've been transparent. I've been just providing people information, information and truth that the, the big farm and, and other agencies and, and I call them the COVID gods in the media and the social media don't want people to hear. Now, Senator, just so we're, we're clear then, with the exception of, of the, the children that you just talked about, have you ever and would you ever discourage people who make the decision that they want to get vaccinated or boosted from getting vaccinated and boosted? I try and provide people information so they can make an informed consent. In my own family, I've got some of my family members who have gotten vaccinated. Others haven't. Got it. Now, I, I left that up to the individual. I'm, again, I'm not a doctor providing recommendations. What I am is a public official trying to get information to people so they can make their own decisions. Senator, one of the other issues that, that that's out there and a lot of your opponents bring up is a, a charge and a challenge that uh, the, the January 6th incident in the Capitol that you you downplayed it. And there was, I know, an, an interview that you gave about a year ago where you, you, you used the phrase, it didn't seem like an armed insurrection to, to you. Um, as you look back on this, how, how do you view what happened on, on January 6th? I thought it was repugnant, the violence. I, and I said that at the time. I condemned it at the time during the violence when I saw what was going on. I condemned it repeatedly. I, I condemned all violence, including the violence in the summer riots. But I also pushed back on the entirely false narrative, and it was an entirely false narrative, that there were thousands of armed insurrectionists. There weren't. You know, in total, there are about 800-some people that you know, illegally entered the Capitol. About 300 of those, by the way, as my investigators found this out, entered through a door that was open from the inside in the West Terrace. So there weren't thousands of armed insurrectionists. Now, I realize the summer protests did teach everybody how you can use flagpoles and other things as weapons, but most people, when you think armed, you think of firearms. And I asked the FBI witness at our committee hearing how many firearms were confiscated on the Capitol or on Capitol grounds. Her testimony was zero. Now, later on, we found out there were a few firearms confiscated somewhere from people that participated, but nothing in the Capitol, nothing on the Capitol grounds, according to that FBI agent. So, again, I was pushing back on the false narrative as the left, as the media was trying to paint everybody that attended that protest, exercised their First Amendment rights as potentially domestic terrorists. Quite honestly, that's what trying to paint everybody that voted for uh, Donald Trump as domestic terrorists. I'm pushing back on that false narrative. Again, just so we're clear, though, Senator, that the phrase you used at first was, was repugnant. Uh, some people are saying, well, you know, Ron Johnson in, in endorsed what happened at the Capitol or tried to downplay it. You, you reject that completely, right? Absolutely. I was, again, I was, I was actually on a radio show, and the radio host saying, I hope they sit in the Capitol. I said, no, that's where I part company with you. Just because they did it in Madison for weeks, and the press looked the other way and cheered them along, I reject that. I don't think people should be entering the Capitol illegally. No, nobody should engage in violence or the racial slurs. Those repulsive, repugnant, I condemned it repeatedly. The news media just doesn't cover it, Jeff. I, mean, I hope a conservative audience will realize that the news media is not honest. 
You know, they lie, they distort. They are part. They are the communications apparatus of the Democrat leftist party. Senator, one of the other things that, in, in some respects, led up to what what happened at the Capitol on January sixth was the, the the election. And let, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, is there any doubt in your mind, first of all, that the election results were legitimate and that Donald Trump legitimately lost the, the presidency? Well, let me tell you, first of all, there were definitely irregularities. Observers not able to observe, you know, big Democrat counties like Milwaukee that historically can't get the counts, the votes counted until they know exactly how many votes they need to count, which whether anything goes wrong or not, it's just not, it makes people suspicious, okay? So there are plenty of irregularities that need to be looked at and examined, and I did that in the hearing. At the same time, leading up to January 6th, I was repeatedly on media saying that I saw no circumstance, no scenario whatsoever that any of Joe Biden's electors would be disallowed. The minute the, the minute that the Electoral College declared Joe Biden the winner, I viewed him as the president-elect. So, again, that, that's my record. It was out there. You know, I said these things publicly. The media doesn't cover that. They accused me of all kinds of things, asked me to resign or be expelled from the Senate for doing half of what Barbara DeBoxer did with their support Back in 2004, I felt we should have a discussion on January 6th about unelected officials, you know, elected courts, you know, election officials usurping the authority of the state legislatures that say the times, places, and manners of the election. And so I supported Ted Cruz's objection to the Arizona electors because the Ninth Circuit came and overturned a 30-year law on the book passed by the state legislature. I thought we should at least have a discussion about that. Maricopa County wasn't following the direction to, to examine the results from the state senator, Senate, the legislature. That's the constitutional authority that lies in the legislature. So I thought that was a debate we should have. It's not the wrong debate, but I completely condemn the violence of January 6th. Senator, let's switch gears. You, you, you're in the process of completing your second six-year term. Why... Why do you think you deserve to be reelected to a third six-year term? Well, first of all, the reason I'm doing it is because our nation's in peril. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I sat in the inauguration uh, of, of President Biden where he said his number one goal is to unify and heal this nation. He's done the exact opposite. I mean, his exhibit one of that is his, his speech yesterday, unbelievably divisive from the President of the United States. I think I'd have no doubt that I'm the best person for the job. There, there are very few people here in Washington, D.C. who don't, whose, whose primary motivation isn't getting reelected. I think people recognize that about me. Um, I'm there to actually do something. For example, champion right to try. Were it not for me, the vast majority of American businesses wouldn't have gotten a tax cut. I'm, I'm the one against my own party, against my own president, saying, no, I'm not going to vote for this tax uh, bill until you provide some tax relief for small businesses, for pass-through entities. So, you know, I, I've learned a lot in 11 years. I've also asked a lot of questions, got some answers, exposed quite a bit of wrongdoing, and quite honestly, right now we have a lack of confidence in so many institutions, quite honestly, a justified lack of confidence, because government agencies, the media, social media, they're not transparent. They've not been honest with people. And we need to restore that confidence. 
because it's not sustainable in a free democracy where people can't have faith in these institutions that we rely on in, in a republic. Senator, I understand that, that given divided government right now, um, it, it's difficult to in, it's difficult for somebody, particularly in your situation as a Republican senator in a 50-50 Senate, to a- advance agenda items. But are, are there in the event you are reelected next November, are there one or two top priorities that you would have that you would like to see get through the Senate? Well, again, I think you take a look at what actually works. So some of the stuff with, with the Democrat president is going to be stopping things like increasing taxes, increasing regulation. So why was our economy so successful before the COVID recession? It's because we actually stopped adding to the regulatory burden. We reduced it somewhat. We set up a more competitive tax system. You have to, prior to the COVID recession, we had a record economy, record low levels of unemployment throughout almost every demographic group. So you look to that success. So unfortunately, when you have a Democrat who's not a moderate, who's a radical leftist, somebody who's dividing us, when he's in office still, you're going to have to, you have to be a no vote. So you don't increase taxes. So you, you try and restrain the growth in, in regulatory agencies to overburden our, our business sector. So, you know, again, it's, it's maybe not a great thing. But, you know, moving forward, you know, I'm always going to be promoting more freedom, allowing the American public to keep more of their hard-earned money and try and promote economic growth and opportunity. I, mean, that's, I think we were pretty successful doing that prior to the COVID recession, and that's certainly what I'd want to concentrate on moving forward. What is, Senator, if you could point to one accomplishment over the last 12 years, what would, what would be one of the things, that, what would be the thing that you are proudest of, say? I think the two by far most consequential things are right to try, providing a little bit of freedom, a little bit of hope for people that uh, have no further hope uh, with terminal illness. But that has spillover effects. It, it should have resulted in right to treat, uh, allowing doctors to practice medicine during COVID. And it's, it's had an impact. I know it saved lives. You know, plus, I think the, 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 the fact that it was my singular action that made sure that every small business also got a tax cut in the 2017 tax reform is a pretty big deal. I, mean, I don't think there are very many U.S. senators that can point to such a significant accomplishment as that. Plus, as chairman of Homeland Security, we did pass and have signed the law like 130 bills. Now, again, they didn't solve all the problems, but they focused on things like cybersecurity, EMP, GMD, the counting the, the countering the malign use of drones. So I've, I've got a pretty strong record of accomplishment uh, in my uh, first two terms, and I would continue that that experience I gained. And I, again, I, I have no doubt that I'm the best person for the job. I, for my, in my mind, the only question is, as much as I'd like to retire. I think our nation is just heading in the wrong direction, and we need people like me to turn the ship of state around. To, to that point, Senator, before before I let you go, I, it's no secret that 
I, I think this is going to be an expensive and a very ugly race. It, it's already been ugly for the last six months. I, I can't turn on the television without hearing some uh, attack ad against you. And I, I have no doubt that that's going to continue. At, at some point in time, do you ever kind of say, I don't need this? <laughs> I just I, I, I don't need this aggravation. I don't need the personal attacks. I don't need to spend the next 11 months of my life in, involved in this sort of death struggle over over this elected office. Is there ever a temptation to just to just kind of walk away? Yeah, it's there constantly. You, you, you think my wife wanted me to do this? <laughs> I mean, does anybody in the audience really think this is fun? <laughs> Having being, a t- fall, again, falsely attacked. Relentlessly, day after day. You know, we spent millions before he was even a candidate. So I, I noticed their first ad is, I'm in it for myself. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a masochist. <laughs> no, I'm doing this Jeff, you know, you know me well enough. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I dearly love this country. I love the American people. I love the folks of Wisconsin. Our nation is on a very dangerous path. I don't think people realize what a tenuous situation we're in. Again, when, when legitimately people have lost so much confidence in so many of these institutions of government, but just, you know, the media and social media, we need to restore that confidence. We have to. And again, I, Again, I'm here. I see this function. I see the primary primary motivation factor of so many people just get reelected. You know, just get along. Now, obviously, that's not my my motivation factor. My, my motivating factor is I truly respect the genius of our founding fathers, what they have given us, what our is our duty to pass along to our children: freedom, the ability to dream, aspire, build, and create this marvel we call America. I think that's at risk. So I stepped up late in 2010 because I was concerned about this nation. I'm more concerned. I am. I'm more concerned. I, I stepped up the plate then. Can I walk away? I mean, I asked that in my ad. I mean, if you're in a position to help improve things, would you walk away? I decided I can't, Jeff. It's, it's really that simple. Senator Johnson, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I'm sure we'll have opportunities to talk over the course of the next 10 months. Stay well. Take care. You as well. That's uh, Senator Ron Johnson. Let's take a quick break.